Poker Tove, good morning. Welcome to the Aliyah Day. I am glad to be with you on this prep day as we are getting ready for <clears throat> Hashem's Holy Shabbat. As we're getting ready to uh, dive into the uh, Sabbath day and to keep uh, God's holy day, Baruch Hashem. Glad that you're with me. And of course, we have the Shabbat and then we have the first day of the week. And then on su Sunday night, we have the, um, of course, the Erev Rosh Hashanah, and then Monday and Tuesday, uh, Rosh Hashanah. So very, very exciting day, uh, a time to be in, and I'm glad to be with you. We are doing well here. We are nearly at 1,000 subscribers here on this channel and on the, uh, uh, the Sar Shalom Synagogue channel. So thank you so much for all of you who have joined us and you've invited your friends to join us and encouraged people to subscribe and, and listen and what have you, and it's just been amazing, and thank you so much for that, and I, I hope and pray that by the end of the day, leading into the Shabbat, we can reach a 1,000 subscribers on both channels. That would be very exciting, and, uh, you know, helps us to reach people and spread the light. Today, we are in the fifth and sixth uh, reading of the Parashah Nitzavim, if you have the Art Scroll Chumash, we are going to be on page 1093, that's 1093, the 6th uh, and 7th reading begins, and it says uh, in chapter 30, beginning in verse 11 through the end of the chapter, Baruch Hashem. So this is a very important a very important segment of scripture, lots of very intense meaning in what we are about to read. And it's very meaningful for yours truly, because this is one of those scriptural verses, or scriptural segments, I should say, or sections, that really inspired me to uh, embrace Torah, to understand the reality of what God was trying to say. And so it's very, very powerful. It also relates back to what Yeshua said in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 17 through uh, 18, where he said, Do not think, we're not allowed to even contemplate it, do not think that I've come to do away with the Torah of the prophets. So Mashiach told us right away that we're not allowed to even think that. It's not even, a, it's not even to be in the realm of our possible thought that that could even be a possibility. So if we if we even think, this is the, the, the import of that statement, if we even think that, that uh, there's a possibility that the law is no longer extant or parts of it are no longer extant, then we violated the words of Mashiach. But then he goes on to say that heaven and earth will pass away before these words pass away, before the law of the prophets pass away, and that relates right back to what we're about to read. So... So let's dive in. Again, if you're new to us, brand new to us, thank you for being here. Please subscribe to our channel. Please like this video. Share it on Facebook, Twitter. Can you share it on Instagram? I don't even know. I don't get on Instagram a lot. In fact, hardly ever. But anyway, that doesn't matter. You don't care. Let's read. Chapter 30, verse 11. For this commandment that I command you today... It is not hidden from you, and it is not distant. It is not in heaven for you to say, 
who can ascend to heaven for us and take it for us so that we can listen to it and perform it. Nor is it across the sea for you to say, who can cross to the other side of the sea for us and take it for us so we can listen to it and perform it. Verse 14, rather the matter is very near you in your mouth and in your heart to perform it. See, I have placed before you today the life and the good, the death and the evil, that which I command you today to love our neither God, to walk in his ways, to observe his commandments, his decrees and his ordinances. Then you will live and you will multiply and Adonai your God will bless you in the land to which you come to possess it. But if your heart will stray and you will not listen and you are led astray and you prostrate yourself to the gods of others and serve them, I tell you today that you will surely be lost. You will not lengthen your days upon the land that you cross, the Jordan to come here to possess it. I call heaven and earth today to bear witness against you. So this goes back to what I was saying just a moment ago. Yeshua said heaven and earth will pass away before this word passes away. Why? Because heaven and earth are witnesses that Hashem gave us the Holy Torah. So it goes all the way back here. So it says um, that I, I call them as witnesses before you that I have placed life and death before you, blessing and curse, and you shall choose life so that you will live, you and your offspring, to love Adonai your God, to listen to his voice. Again, there's that statement again. We've been talking about this all week. The voice of God. What does the voice of God say? The voice of God, according to God, says, follow my Torah, obey my covenant. Therefore, if we have it in our head, that the quote-unquote voice of God is leading us away from Torah, then we have no choice but to conclude that it is a fake voice. It's a phony voice. It is a, a, a lying voice. It's not the voice of God, in other words, because the voice of God, according to Scripture, leads us in the, in the path of Torah. So it says here that... Uh, that we're to hear his voice and to cleave to him. For he is your life and the length of your days to dwell upon the land that Adonai swore to your forefathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. Now, one of the things I love about this particular section of scripture is that Hashem says, he sets before us life and death. And he's so gracious He's so wonderful, he's so amazing, that in case we're confused as to which choice to accept, he says, now choose life. I set before you life and death, but in case you're confused, I, I want you to choose life. I love that. I love that, that God cares for so much that in case we're thinking we don't want to... Uh, choose the right option, he's going to tell us which option to choose. It's like he's, it's like someone saying, listen, door number one, door number two, choose two or one or whatever, whatever has the blessing. <clears throat> so uh, we've spoken this week about longstanding uh, theological ideas which are not based in reality. <clears throat> in other words, they're not true. 
one of the uh, long-standing ideas that is absolutely not true, but gets said, I don't know. I mean, it's it's it, it gets said so often that that people just just believe it to be true, and that is that the uh, that no one is capable of obeying the Torah, the law of God, the law of Moses. And so because no one is capable of doing it, Yeshua had to come and save us from it and to remove us from it or remove it from us or however way you want to look at it. So the point being is that that statement is absolutely not true and this is the passage of Scripture that proves that beyond any reasonable doubt. Because it says in verse 11, For this commandment that I command you today is not hidden from you, and it is not distance. Okay? So, in the article Humash, it says, The goal of knowing and fulfilling the Torah may seem to be beyond human attainment, but this is actually not so. To the contrary, Moses told Israel that the Torah is not at all beyond their reach, far from requiring superhuman effort or superhuman revelation to be equal to God's expectations. That goal is very much within reach. If they but make a sincere effort to grasp it, the message reinforces the previous assurance that the nation will repent and be worthy of redemption. So, Many people teach and many people believe that no one can obey the law because you, you read uh, certain scriptures that are absolutely true that say that there isn't anyone who has sinned. And sin, by definition, is breaking the law. That's what, it, that's what sin is. If we want to identify sin, sin is breaking the law. So many people get confused. They say, well, if, if, if it's true that all have sinned and all have fallen short, then it must be true that no one can keep it. And that's not true. Those, those two things are not mutually exclusive. The fact that all have sinned does not mean that keeping the Torah is an, uh, an impossibility. What it means is that we have all chosen to sin. Now, the reason why, one of the reasons why that, that the, uh, no one can keep the Torah theology is so bad it's not just because it's wrong. That's, it's not just because of that. But, but it actually <clears throat> indicts Hashem, Hasve Shalom, as being an unjust deity. Because uh, Hashem is was saying to us, because you broke the Torah, i.e. sin, you're now going to have to be punished in Gehenna. But wait a minute. If that's true, that no one could obey the Torah, then what Hashem just said would be unjust. Because how can you punish someone for something they couldn't help but do? That would be like saying, I'm going to confine you to life in prison because you were incapable of jumping off of a bridge and flying without any equipment, okay, just, just by yourself. And so I, this is a very important point because 
Many people have been talked out of Torah by suggesting that no one can live by it. No one can do it. It's impossible. And it's not impossible. That's what this, that's, that is what this verse, this passage of scripture is uh, teaching 100%. Okay? So it says uh, to a comment to verse 14. Rather the matter is very near you, you have been given <clears throat> you have been given both a written and an oral Torah according to Rashi. It says here in the commentary the verse speaks of mouth, heart and deed. God wants primarily the sincerity of the heart. Some com- commandments involve speech which in- which inspires the heart and some involve deeds deeds rather which inspire speech. Now this is the quote that I really want to get to, it says, The heart recognizes where one has sinned and the mouth confesses it. Both recognition and confession of sin are prime ingredients of repentance. Now, one of the ideas I just got through saying is that, that this is talking about the commandment, is talking about the commandments in general. That's one idea. There's another side of the coin in which the sages point out and later commentators point out that the commandment being spoken of here is the commandment to make teshuva. So on the one hand, the commandment itself is not far from us. That is the Torah. And uh, the other thing that we have to understand is that the the commandment to make teshuva is is not far from us. In other words, we one can't say, well, teshuva is not is it's it's completely out of my reach. That's not true at all. Everybody has the ability to make teshuva, no matter what you have done. We're going to come back to that in a second. Now, this next insight from the uh, from the the art school. We're going to stick with the art school for just a, a few more minutes here. But one of this this next insight is is one of the most phenomenal insights. We've we've talked about this before, so it's not necessarily new if you've been with the program uh, for a while. But it's something. To really consider. Um, this is the insight. It says the sages teach that a fetus, little baby in the womb, is taught the Torah in the womb and is caused to forget it at birth. This comes from the Talmud Nida 30b. But if he is not to remember it, why was it taught to him? So it says, thanks to the prenatal teaching. Now it says here every Jew, but I want to go back and just emphasize that uh, the reason it's saying Jewish person here is because it presumes that the person has come into covenant, right? Because a Jew, Hebrew, Israelite are synonymous terms. It refers to someone who is in covenant with Hashem. That's what the word implies. Now it's possible uh, for someone to not be actually in covenant because their heart's not right, but only Hashem knows that. That's that's for another discussion. But but ultimately, it were, the, the sages teach that every human being in the womb, this happens to them, that a, a an angel teaches every human being the Torah. In fact, this little indention in your lip just below your nose is called a philtrum. And the sages teach that when the baby is about to be born, an angel strikes the baby on the mouth and causes it to forget the Torah. And that's where we get this little indention. That's what's taught. Now, there's to some people, I can understand that. That might, may seem a little far-fetched, like, 
far-fetched like God parting the Red Sea, but or a, a whale swallowing a man. But I want you to stick with me for a second because this has great implications. Because God calls the whole world to make teshuva, but wait a minute. How can you come back to something you've never been before? The answer is, is that everybody can make teshuva because everybody has been taught the Torah, even if you've never been taught the Torah, because you've been taught it in the womb. So everyone has an opportunity to come back to that which was taught to them when they were yet in their mother's womb. So it says, thanks to this prenatal teaching, every Jew has an affinity for the Torah And even someone who never had the privilege of studying the Torah may be inspired by intuitive wisdom. This is what happens, my friends, to so many people. They come to a program like this. They come to a a synagogue like Sar Shalom or maybe one of the other Lapid houses or what have you. They hear this message. They haven't grown up this way. They don't know anything about it. But it resonates. And then they've got to go on Facebook or Twitter or go back to their former congregation or their former friends and get talked out of it. Oh, be careful. Be careful about those Jews. They'll lead you. You'll study that Talmud, that Midrash. Oh, be careful. And then what's intuitively inspiring and you're drawn to, you get talked out of it up here by people who most of the time have no earthly idea what they're talking about. So it says here, when such a person is given the opportunity to study the Torah, the Torah will not be something foreign to him, but something he once knew. That is so wonderful. That The reason that you are drawn to it is because before you knew anything. Oh, this is so good. The reason you, my friends, if you're watching this right now and you say, I don't, I'm here this is inspiring to me, and I don't even know why, because I did not grow up in a Jewish home. I, I don't even know what these words mean. I, I, I didn't know what Aliyah meant until yesterday. The reason it's inspiring to you is because before you even knew how to say mommy or daddy or may I have a drink of Wawa or any of that kind of stuff, you knew the words of the Torah. It is, in fact, your essence. This is why when you come to Torah, you are coming home. So it says, this is what Moses meant when he said that the Torah is not hidden or distant, but it's in every Jewish mouth and heart. Why? Because it was in your mouth, in the womb. So we have another insight. Again, there's so much to share, but I just want to, these, these salient points are very often what carry us through in our daily life. But God commands us, and, and well, he encourages us. He beckons us. He, he compels us to choose life. But I love this insight. Again, this also comes from the article Humash. Because choosing life, my friends, is not just about you and I. When I chose life, and when I continue to choose life on a daily basis with God's help, I am choosing life not just for myself, but in my case, for my wife, for my daughters. As a rabbi, I'm choosing life and inspiring life in others. 
and you do too. When you choose life, the life of Torah, the true path of the Messiah, the Jewish life, a rabbinic Jewish life in in Yeshua, just like he lived, you're choosing that life not just for yourself. When I say choosing life, I'm talking about the life and all the benefits, life and life to the full, life more abundantly like Yeshua talked about. You're not choosing life just for yourself. You're choosing life for your children, your children's children. For that coworker in the cubicle next to you that you think isn't paying attention but watches you every moment of every day. And I don't mean that in a weird way. I mean that in an inspirational way. You're choosing life for that congregational member you know, at synagogue whom you're inspiring by your life. Do you know how many times I get inspired? As the rabbi of the shul, how many times I get inspired by watching other people pursue God? It inspires me to pursue him as well, which is another reason why we need community. But here's the insight. It says, you shall choose life. The Torah stresses that the the choice of life is not only for the benefit of the one making the choice, but also so that his offspring shall live. This implies that one should choose in such a way that one's offspring as well will be inspired to follow the Torah. If a person obeys the commandment half-heartedly or with the attitude that they have a heavy burden, his children will naturally be reluctant to accept these precepts with joy and pride. And that will carry on for generations. So many people lament and say, I didn't grow up this way. I wish I knew that. Uh, I wish I knew... um, uh, I wish I knew this beforehand. I wish my parents knew this or whatever. Um, I didn't grow up in a Jewish home, etc. Uh, okay, great. But you and I, because I didn't grow up in a Jewish home either, right? But you and I can change that reality so that our children and our children's children, if Messiah should tarry, I hope Messiah comes this this second day of the week on Rosh Hashanah, I pray that, that this second day of the week, may it be God's will that the Mashiach should come. But if he doesn't, if he tarries, then our children and our children's children will be able to say, I grew up with this knowledge. I grew up in a Jewish home. I grew up in a home that knew the Torah, that knew life, that knew the Mashiach. And my friends, when you're choosing life right now, you're listening to this broadcast and you're thinking, I don't even know, but I'm drawn to it. When you choose life, you're choosing life, not just for yourself, but for your entire world. This is why the sages teach that when you bring someone to Teshuvah, when you save them, when you bring them to salvation, when you bring them into the covenant, however you want to word it, it all means the same thing. That they say you you literally save a world. So it's any wonder that the Messiah is called Savior of the world? Really, he's the Savior of the worlds, which is one of the reasons why we say, Adon Ha'olamim, that God is the master of the worlds, with an S, not just the world. It's a meaning that he is the savior of the worlds, meaning my world and your world and your friend's world and many other worlds. But you and I can also be the savior of the world. We're not Mashiach. Please don't go crazy. But it just means that when we inspire someone to take hold of the, of the Torah, that we're in, to, to take hold of God, to take hold of his mitzvah, to take hold of his covenant, 
that we literally are saving a world because we're saving them and their children and children's children and, and who knows if Mashiach should tarry, how many generations of Torah learning and inspiration that we will have been a part of. Which is another reason why we're reminded in the in the article Humash that we have to to love Hashem. We have to follow His Torah for the sake of Torah. The motivation of our Torah keeping, my friends, has to be because we love God, because we want to follow Him. We want to pursue Him. We want to uh, embrace Him with her whole heart. This can't be for any other reason, for any other motivation. It can't be for any other alternative precept. It cannot be because we want to fill up a building or because we want to fill up a conference. It cannot be because we want to write a book or we want to have really inspirational videos. It can't be because we're looking for the next new thing, the next, the next uh, wonderful insight that everybody's going to glob onto. We have to study the Torah because it's Hashem's will for our life and we're trying to do the right thing. I, I, that's, that's what motivates me. That's what motivates me. I'm just a guy from Grapevine, Texas. I grew, I'm just a guy who grew up in Grapevine, Texas. Uh, I didn't grow up in a Jewish home, but my home was uh, fairly secular, actually, with respect to religion. Uh, Jewish by heritage? Yeah, sure. I grew up secular, just like 90% of Jews worldwide. Uh, and so what I know, I, I know today only because of God's grace in my life. And so wh who am I? How, what can I brag about? All I can say is that I do what I do because I, I want to follow God. I want to inspire others to do the same. Doesn't make me that, even that, even what I just said doesn't make me anything other than just, I don't know what it makes me. Just makes me somebody who loves God. Rabbi Monk says, every man is fully capable of choosing to repent. Obviously, it includes women too, of course. Man being a statement here for human beings. All of us are capable. You know, we're about to enter into the 10 days of, of, uh, of awe. Yamim Norim, from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. Maybe you've been making good progress with Teshuvah for the last uh, 30 days or so since Elul 1. Or maybe you have done not so much or maybe not at all. But I want you to know that Teshuvah is within your grasp and that you are capable. And you have now, you have now, not beginning on Rosh Hashanah, 10 whole days to dive in with your whole heart. You know, it says in the Midrash, Rabbi Monk brings this down, very interesting insight. He's talking about the power of Teshuvah and how no one, no one is beyond Teshuvah. It says, in the, he says, the Midrash in Midrash Rabbah 12, 28 recounts how surprised Adam was when Cain told him of finding forgiveness for his brother's murder through repentance. Cain repented. 
Cain found Teshuva for his horrific crime of murder. It says here in the Midrash, it was only then that Adam grasped the immense power of repentance. It says this led him to confess his own sin and repentance. And Adam memorialized this experience on the Sabbath day by composing the psalm of repentance, Mizmor Shir Le'yom HaShabbat, a psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. That's Psalm 92. Psalm 92 was Adam's song of Teshuvah, which is associated, of course, with Shabbat, because Shabbat is associated with rebirth, with renewal. So it says here, it continues and says, that Sabbath had already become a day of returning to Adonai, and so it was that it would remain. In fact, the words HaShabbat, the, the Sabbath, and Teshuvah, repentance, are composed of the same letters, simply put in different order. So Teshuvah, spelled in Hebrew, and Shabbat, HaShabbat, have the same letters. Is it any wonder then why people are uh, say that when we when one comes to God, that very often that initial return, that initial teshuva begins because they keep the Sabbath. They decide. And how many people, by the way, have come to our synagogue and said things such as, you know. I love God and have loved God for many years, but I just woke up one day and realized, reading the Bible, that the Sabbath is on Saturday, not on Sunday. And that's, I can't tell you how many people over the years have come into this, this walk or this movement because of that revelation. Why? Because it's integral to Teshuvah. And so therefore, when you're preparing today for the Sabbath that's coming tonight, let this be a time where you say, Hashem, I want to return to you with my whole heart. And I want to do everything I can do to rid myself of anti-Semitism, which includes anti-Judaism thoughts, anti-Rabbinic thoughts. Rid myself of hate, of anger, of lust, of fear, of pride, of arrogance, and a host of other things. Only Hashem knows. End of our Aliyah today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for being a part of this broadcast. I want to wish you a Shabbat Shalom. And we will see everybody again on the first day of the week for our brand new uh, Aliyah, or well, yes, our Aliyah series, and then we'll go right into Rosh Hashanah. So God bless you. P please subscribe to this channel if you've not done so and click the little bell icon so that you can stay up to date on all, everything that we are uh, bringing forth. Share this with your friends and most importantly, have a great day and a joyful day and a day of shalom. Shabbat shalom. We'll see you tomorrow.